Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, Pod TST, a regular LA Rams podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Arthur, the managing editor and lead writer at Turf Show Times. And I'm going to be here all season long talking to you about the Rams. So please. Think about subscribing and uh, enjoying the podcast. Try to enjoy it. You know, that's what I say to any piece of content that you decide to consume. Just enjoy it. You know, you're listening to it, so you might as well have a good time, of course. Hey, look, I don't want to put all the pressure on you for me to do a good job. I'll keep the pressure on myself to do a good job. Um, But everybody, please clap. I'll uh, stay here for a second while everybody at home listening to this gives me a round of applause. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, Let me go ahead and talk to you about the Rams. I wanted to, um, you know, I I spent a lot of time writing with my fingers and I also spent a lot of time talking with my mouth. And that's what I'm going to do here. I've been writing with my fingers about what the Rams have done in the first four or five days of training camp here in the first week as training camp has opened up for the Rams and the rest of the NFL. And now I'm going to use my words uh, in a talking audio format uh, to describe what has happened with the Rams here in the first five days of training camp. Right now it is Sunday, August 1st, so any updates would be coming up to Saturday's practice, and that's what you would be getting here. So anything that's happened uh, post-Saturday, I would suppose, uh, would be an update to whatever you're going to hear on this podcast right now. But there's a lot of unknowns with the Rams. Entering camp, honestly, there's still a lot of unknowns with the Rams, probably just as many as there were, if not more, a few days ago. But at least there is more stuff that we do feel like we have an idea of, thanks to finally getting some reps here and some depth charts and getting to see some players uh, fill in for departed players, whether that be in free agency or injuries. So there's been opportunities to get a longer looks at some of these unknown Rams. And it's not just unknown Rams. It can also be known Rams working with new players, new coaches. There's a ton of those in key positions, obviously none bigger than quarterback Matthew Stafford, and he steps into an offense that has an incredible amount of continuity. The most continuity, I would probably think. I I can't imagine any team having more continuity than this. Sean McVay comes in in 2017, and in every season since Sean McVay has been the head coach, this being now his fifth season as the head coach of the Rams, and every season he's had Andrew Whitworth as his left tackle, and every season he's had Rob Havenstein as his right tackle, and every season he's had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as his two receivers, and in every season he's had Tyler Higby as his number one tight end. There are other players who do still have, you know, all the offensive line has been here 
for at least a year, most of them two or three years. Almost everybody on the offensive line has been together for two or three years, the only exceptions being players who will not contribute or who not expected to contribute this season, like undrafted free agents Alaric Jackson and Jordan Meredith. And, you know, there are guys like uh, like Chandler Brewer who, who sat out with uh, – opted out last season. Um, there's definitely guys who do not have a ton of maybe starting experience, but practice experience, knowing, uh, each other, knowing Sean McVay, um, they do get a new coach in offensive line coach, Kevin Carberry coming out of Stanford and replacing Aaron Cromer, who is regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. I don't know what he's up to now, but, uh, they still have his son Cromer as one of the assistant coaches. So, you know, as long as you have one Cromer, uh, you, you, you know, you'll never go back. So that's uh, what they say about assistant coaches um, and offensive linemen. Uh, there is Andrew Whitworth at left tackle again. David Edwards going into, you know, really his first time going into training camp, going into the season as a starting left guard that had previously been Joseph Nopum in the last two years going into the season. And then each time David Edwards coming in and now David Edwards really solidifying himself as the left guard. Um, and then it looks like maybe Austin Corbett could be the center. Bobby Evans, the right guard. So would be a little bit of changes there if that's how it does shake out. And then, of course, Havenstein at the right tackle. Um but in any case, it, it seems like, you know, the only maybe new starter would be Bobby Evans. And then it's a case where maybe if somebody else wins the center position and Austin Corbett slides the right guard, then, of course, center would be where there are some changes. And I can just tell you from my experience as a writer, as Turf Show Times managing editor, as the guy uh, who is monitoring what you guys like to read and share and talk about. And that's a perspective I've had for a very long time with NFL fans. And I can tell you that uh, what you want to hear right now is anything having to do with offensive line, with centers, with guards, free agents, players who aren't even on the Rams. I, I've seen that Rams fans would rather hear about a free agent center who's not on the Rams and probably never will be than say somebody who is on the Rams. Uh, would you, you know? Would would you rather hear about Austin Reader, the center for the Chiefs for the last couple of years, who's a free agent right now, or would you rather hear about Bryson Hopkins? Now I'm sure most of you would probably say Bryson Hopkins. I would rather say Bryson Hopkins. The numbers say something different, so I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that there is a, a ton of interest and intrigue and curiosity about the offensive line as always. And I think the Rams can enter with, you know, one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFC West over at the LA football network. I see that they've ranked, they have a, a post here recently this week, this weekend ranking the offensive lines in the NFC West. I too did this on turf show times, uh, at least a week ago, if not more. And the way that they have it is Seattle at number four, uh, which I think a lot of people could agree with. Arizona at number three, maybe Arizona. You know, that's where I think it's just like, well, is it Arizona or Seattle? You know, I like Arizona because I think DJ Humphreys, the left tackle, uh, is a very 
underrated left tackle, especially as compared to some of these guys in the NFC West who have really great reputations like Andrew Whitworth, who I think should be a Hall of Famer, and Trent Williams, who may be the most uh, talented or best left tackle in the NFC West. He's certainly being paid that way and, and regarded that way. And then Dwayne Brown with Seattle, who it has is a former first-round pick with a very good reputation and has helped Seattle you know, sort of fortify that position after uh, when they had lost Russell Okung uh, a, a few years ago. It was a real mess, and, and Dwayne Brown has helped solidify the left tackle position for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. But, you know, whether or not Seattle, Arizona, a lot of people would probably regard them as, you know, th the lesser of the four offensive lines in the NFC West. And then you've got the Rams, who, as I said, have all that continuity and then they have the 49ers, uh, does LA Football Network, they have the 49ers ranked number one with a projected starting offensive line of Trent Williams at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, free agent veteran center Alex Mack, rookie right guard Aaron Banks, and then Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, the former top 10 pick who, by most accounts, I think has struggled through his first couple of years or a few years in the NFL, but probably is a decent player who can hold his own, I'm sure, too. So a lot of that ranking seems to be invested in this uh, Trent Williams and Alex Mack's name recognition. But I think the Rams having that offensive line and also getting a quarterback upgrade in Matthew Stafford should make the offensive line look better. And uh, also it could make the defense better on Sunday pro football talks article here. Leonard Floyd says that Matthew Stafford is making the Rams defense better what Leonard Floyd said here. Um, and I'm just going to read directly from pro football talks, Mike Florio uh, on his Sunday report here saying Floyd told reporters on Saturday that he's seen greater intensity at practice between offense and defense. He attributes it to the quarterback position quote. I noticed it. I think it's Matthew. He's a veteran quarterback, so he is making it a little tougher at practice, and that ain't going to do nothing but make us better on defense. Goff was a, uh, this, what, uh, according to Floyd, and uh, he said Floyd also noticed that after cornerback Jalen Ramsey intercepted a Stafford pass, Stafford cranked things up a few notches, and Floyd has witnessed Stafford's skill as a thrower. He's been dropping dimes, really, Floyd said. He was in the same division when I was with Chicago, so I pretty much know, yeah, he's really good. So, uh, obviously, there's some uh, more praise there for Matthew Stafford from a teammate. Uh, obviously, a lot of people would twist that into a saying that he's trashing Jared Goff and saying, like, oh, there's more intensity than there was in the past. Look, it does not everything has to be uh, a diss. Not everything has to turn into beef. Not everything is, has to be uh, spun into a negative about another person just because you're saying something positive about somebody else. You know, there's nothing wrong with comparing two quarterbacks, uh, especially when they've been, you know, when it's been a team changing over and you're essentially getting the same offense, same head coach, same offensive system, most of the same players around the quarterback position. What else are you supposed to do if not say, okay, how are things differently this year as compared to the previous four years, the previous five years? You know, whether or not, uh, I mean, just saying like, oh, yeah, Matthew Stafford does this or he brings that or, or whatever. You know, I don't think there's any reason for 
anybody out there. Not saying that uh, even saying, you know, I mean, there's plenty of arguments to make against uh, Mike Florio or Pro Football Talk for something that they do or say and say, like, I don't know. It seems like maybe you're twisting this for a story that's not really there. But in this case, I'm not even saying that Mike Florio is doing that. But I do see a lot of people. Anytime you say something about Matthew Stafford and how things are different this year, it's like, oh, wow, you're talking trash about Jared Goff. No, you know, like they're there, you know, Jared Goff is a person and we are allowed to evaluate. I think that's the job of anybody that's observing or writing about the team or, you know, just a fan, you know, it's your job as a fan, I guess, but you're allowed to say things are different now. I mean, nobody would argue with the idea that like between in Houston, the difference between Deshaun Watson and Tyrod Taylor is massive. And if Deshaun Watson is starting for the Texans, you'd say, wow, things are different here. Offensively, we can do a whole lot different now, as opposed to if things get going with Tyrod Taylor, just like it was with the LA chargers, just like it was with the Cleveland Browns when those teams had Tyrod Taylor and nobody goes around saying you're trashing Tyrod Taylor, right? You're just saying, something obvious. There's a quarterback who's better on the teams that he's been around from Baltimore to Cleveland to LA to Houston. Everybody acknowledges that Tyrod Taylor is a backup quarterback as compared to the starters on that team. Everybody is uh, aware of the fact that the Packers are a different team with Aaron Rodgers than if they were with Jordan Love. And the, Lions, and the Rams are a different team with Matthew Stafford than they were with Jared Goff. And the Lions will be a different team with Jared Goff than they were with Matthew Stafford. And that's it. You know, I, I don't think that, like, when Michael Brocker says, uh, you know, the Rams leveled up when they traded for Matthew Stafford, does that something that you disagree with? Or you just think that uh, Michael Brockers isn't allowed to share his opinion or to voice his opinion? The same opinion that you all share. The same opinion that everybody shares, but it's like it's appalling to think that somebody is uh, allowed to share their opinion about a football player, that it's t- talking trash to say the obvious thing that we all agree with. So just a note there that, you know, yes, Leonard Floyd says that uh, maybe things are differently. There's a different intensity. There's uh, the, 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 the defense has to be more on its toes in training camp this year than they were in the previous years. Isn't that something that we all expected and agree with? So no trash talking there that I see from Leonard Floyd. Uh, just a an honest opinion from a football player uh, about the differences in the way that things are going. So uh, that's one thing to observe here. And more about Matthew Stafford here, looking at Stu Jackson's article on the Rams.com uh, titled 10 observations from day four of Rams training camp. The number one observation cornerback Jalen Ramsey had one of the top plays of the day. I'm, I'm quoting here from Stu Jackson intercepting a Matthew Stafford pass during red zone drills and returning it most of the distance towards the opposite end zone with Aaron Donald somersaulting into the end zone to finish the play off for a touchdown Uh, And then Stafford's response to the interception was equally impressive. The next play, he escaped the pocket and found Cooper Cup in the back corner of the end zone for a touchdown. And the red zone period ended with Stafford firing a no-look pass to Daryl Henderson for a touchdown. So a few more notes there on Matthew Stafford, just being that 
On one hand, it seemed as though he threw an interception, but at least he threw an interception to the cornerback that many consider to be the best cornerback in the NFL. And also it's practice and interceptions don't mean anything. If you read anything from anybody that cites quarterback statistics and training camp as if they are indicative of a future, you can tell that writer, even if it's me, that, you know, those stats don't matter, right? We need to have reporters stop reporting training camp stats because you have to realize that most people in the in the world, the sports fans, and especially at least here in America, from my observations over the last, you know, X amount of years doing this, uh, my observations is that people have a hard time separating stats from meaning. So you give them stats, all of a sudden they think that they have meaning. But if a quarterback goes 11 of 20 in a training camp practice, that doesn't have any meaning. Quarterbacks have often said in the past, hey, look, I'm not even trying to complete all my passes in practice. I'm trying to make mistakes in practice. I need to make mistakes in practice. That's why it's practice. You know, like a comedian goes and does uh, a bunch of stand-up shows where they don't want there to be anybody recording with their phones. They don't want there to be anything, anybody recording what they're saying. They don't want anybody taking notes and reporting what they've said because maybe at some point they're going to put that on television or maybe at some point they're going to film a special or whatever. And it's like, you're not even getting my finished product of this joke. I can't make a finished product of this joke until I go out there and say a bunch of things that uh, some of which will be funny, some of which won't be funny, some of which will be mistakes that I hope to make so that when I go on television, I'm not making them. And that's how uh, a stand-up goes out and decides to do you know, comedy. And then what you have is bloggers going to comedy shows or fans going to comedy shows or hecklers going to comedy shows, recording comedians or reporting what comedians said and uh, saying when, you know, whether or not they're saying that they got offended by what was said or whether or not they're saying uh, that others were offended or whether or not they're saying that the comedian was no good. It's, it's a stand-up show. Maybe you didn't even pay to go to it. You had to buy two drinks. It's not there for everything to be great. If you go and you pay $70 to see a stand-up, then, you know, you're probably seeing a more finished product. But these trading cap practices are open mics. You got to go in there and make a bunch of mistakes. You got to throw interceptions. You, you don't want to go in there in a practice and just be perfect and not know what it's like to respond to throwing a pick six or not know what it's like to respond to a fumble or not, whatever it is. So you got to give everybody in training camp, you got to treat them like Dave Chappelle. And that means that you kind of got to treat them like Dave Chappelle knowing, oh man, if I, uh, if I report on uh, what they do here tonight, um, they might come around and make me the, uh, butt of their next special. And they might make me the butt of the joke on their next special. And all of a sudden I'm looking like, uh, a, you know, the enemy here. So whatever Matthew Stafford does in camp, you know, the, the positive reports aren't going to be the statistics. The positive reports are going to be the things like Stafford firing a no look pass Stafford doing play, making plays that other quarterbacks in the past maybe didn't make or Stafford, you know, it's just that presence, whatever it is, you know, I'm sure that at camp they'll, they'll be able to more accurately describe if you're a teammate or a coach, 
how much different things are with Stafford, but you know what his reports are on his statistics are of no meaning to me, and they shouldn't be of any meaning to you. You have to start separating stats from meaning in your brain, not just for practices, but also for preseason. Got to get rid of those stats. And you also, you know, kind of even got to treat them with a lot more careful uh, gloves in the regular season when you see stats and realize this is not going to be the end all be all of player evaluation. Stats are not the end all be all. They're like not even in the conversation as being like equal with other measurements of a play. So that's something that I always like to keep in mind with regards to statistics. Some other notes here from Stu Jackson's training camp notes on day four. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was facing off against Deshaun Jackson. It'll be interesting to see how much Deshaun Jackson contributes early in the season. If he stays healthy, how much more, um, how much he impacts the offense and also how much he holds off Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell from getting opportunities and targets. It really feels like so far through training camp, you've heard almost nothing on Tutu Atwell and, as least as far as, you know, like a receiver, maybe he'll get in there and punts. And it's not as though we expected there to be a lot said about Tutu Atwell. And that's kind of a good thing. You know, if he's going to be flying under the radar, taking his time to learn the offense, get comfortable with McVeigh and Stafford and, and everybody else on the team. And, uh, you know, that's perfectly fine because over a 17 game season, I'm quite sure that Tutu Atwell, if he remains healthy, will get his opportunities. Eventually Cooper cup has been banged up over the years. Um, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson obviously has been banged up. Robert Woods has been pretty healthy, but is approaching 30. You know, there are a lot of considerations to be made for why Tutu Atwell could see time, but right now is uh, not the time. Stu Jackson reports that Daryl Henderson has looked explosive while Xavier Jones and Jake Funk showed good agility. Uh, I would say that that's going to be very interesting to see if Xavier Jones or Jake Funk do become compliments to Daryl Henderson. I can't imagine that Daryl Henderson, you know, there are, there are going to be like 1200 offensive snaps this year, about a hundred more than there have been in other years, 1200 offensive snaps. You cannot expect Daryl Henderson to take more than 600 of those 700, maybe. I mean, if he's a starting number one running back, I mean, that is not a small number of snaps. It's more than he's had in his career so far. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just look up Daryl Henderson's career snap counts. Um, but he's had 440 snaps in two years and there's going to be about 1200 snaps this year. So I I can't imagine Daryl Henderson taking more than six or 700 of those. If he's healthy, that's going to leave a whole, I mean, that's going to leave like a whole 600 snaps for somebody else. Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, Otis Anderson, Raymond Calais, uh, Calais. They're all on the roster right now. I would think somebody's got to be added eventually, but 
look at the numbers, break it down. I, I can't imagine that it's just going to be Daryl Henderson out there for what would be a 300 or a 350 carry season if you weren't going to have a compliment to him. So there will be a compliment, I assume, and it'll be interesting to see which players stand out, but that's something that we probably won't really get a good idea of until one or two preseason games have happened. The first of those is about two weeks away against the LA Chargers on August 14th. Uh, Robert Woods apparently had a big day, and Ben Skowronek, the seventh-round selection out of Notre Dame. Here's what Stu Jackson had to say about him. Rookie wide receiver Ben Skowronek had another good session, catching a deep ball from John Wolford. Later on in red zone, Skowronek made a catch in tight coverage near the pylon, uh, but defensive back Kareem Orr was there to prevent him from reaching over or crossing the goal line. So Ben Skowronek... Fighting for a job as a special teamer, probably. I've already mentioned five wide receivers who appear to be locks to make the team. So if you're talking about keeping six receivers, that's a competition between Ben Skowronek, Tristan Jackson, J.J. Koski, and undrafted free agent rookies Landon Akers and Jeremiah Hadel. Tutu Atwell right now is on the COVID reserve list, but... Um, if you keep six receivers, Ben Skowardek appears to be in there. Jacob Harris, you know, if he's going to be a tight end or a receiver, he appears to be in there. So it's going to be, that's going to be such a, a difficult decision. I think for McVeigh is like that sixth wide receiver job, especially when you know, like, all right, from a receiver standpoint, the LA Rams are covered. You need wide receivers who can do some other things, get in there and special teams. That is something that he was noted at. When he go, at the draft time was like, oh, man, this guy's a special teams beast. So maybe Ben Skowronek is uh, going to make the final 53 roster. We'll see. Um, David Long Jr. has been out there as one of the starting cornerbacks so far. And going into his third year, that'll be very important for him to you know, establish himself as an NFL starter. And then he could get paid big bucks, as we've seen from... Several other former Rams cornerbacks, including Troy Hill this year with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the linebacker competition remains open, but you know we could see Justin Hollins, Leonard Floyd, Micah Kaiser, and Kenny Young potentially as the first four starting linebackers. Rookie third rounder Ernest Jones. Obviously, he's not going away. Traven Howard, who missed all of last year, he's not going away. And those two guys could push hard for starting reps at linebacker. Where does that leave Troy Reader? Where does that leave Justin Lawler? Where does that leave, you know, Terrell Lewis, who nobody has really talked about so far in camp? There hasn't been a lot of talk about Terrell Lewis, and that's interesting. Taylor Rapp at safety has been out there with the ones at times. So you could see Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, and David Long potentially, or Terrell Burgess as the starting secondary. Another good competition there that should at least leave LA with some quality reserves behind the starters. So I think that the defensive backs, while there's a lot of question marks there, it seems like with the defensive backs and linebackers and defensive line, almost everywhere on the defense, there's a few stars like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, a very solid player in Leonard Floyd, some guys that you really like with uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and potentially Ashawn Robinson. 
there's a lot of talent and uh, you could say that even where there's competitions and uncertainties and you're not sure like is the starter going to be great at least it seems at least there's going to be a lot of depth here on the Rams defense and that should be good for a 17 game season and then offensively like I said lots of continuity and an upgraded quarterback so Again, I've had the Rams. I've picked them to make the Super Bowl this year all offseason long. Ever since they traded for Matthew Stafford, at this time, I have no reason to change that. And I feel even more confident after talking about the Rams today that they are my pick to win the NFC. That's it for this episode of Pod TST. Again, I'll be here regularly, so subscribe, uh, share it if you want to, and uh, we'll keep doing this together and figuring it out. That's it for this episode of Pod TST. Come back pretty soon for another one. Pretty soon for another one. Pretty soon for another one.